Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ben. I'm so, so glad that you're here. As Pastor Will said earlier, you are in for a treat today. In just a couple moments, I'm going to have some guests join me on stage. Some of our own Four Corners family went down to Cuba recently, and you're going to hear some of their experience, some of what the Lord was able to do in their lives and through them to the wonderful people of Cuba. And then Pastor Jose, who leads the group of churches there in Cuba, is going to be with us as well, and he's going to share with you through... Uh, Pastor Kevin, who goes to this church and leads the Ancient Path Ministries, he'll translate for us. But first, if you don't mind, uh, grab out the piece of paper that looks like this. On the back is a couple message notes, because I want to set up a framework for what you're going to experience today. Um, many of you have been around church uh, for a while. It's not unusual if you've been around church for a while to on occasion hear from a missionary. But there's something else that goes on every time that happens that I want to make you aware of. You may know this, you may not, but if you don't know it, I want to bring it to your conscious uh, engagement, all right? And if you do know it, I want to help you remember it more fully. And before we jump into the message notes, I want to take you to a story in your New Testament that unless you kind of slow down, it's easy to miss the implication. So here's what happened. In the book of Acts, there's a man by the name of Saul, and Saul is a devout Jewish follower. I mean, he is serious about his faith. I mean, he's about as faithful as you can be. He sat at the right feet of the people who taught him his faith. He was in the right environments. He had the right pedigree. He is at the pinnacle of his game, spiritually speaking, in terms of his religious devotion speaking. He is at the top. And while he's there doing his thing, all around there are little skirmishes that seek to threaten this little devoted group of Jewish people who are living in a persecuted land. So he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder because things have been hard and he believes in this stuff and he's watching different governments and authorities come in making it difficult for his people. And then within his own people, there are little sects of people who are gathering around creating disagreement and disunity and it is bothering him. So he makes it his mission in fact, he's commissioned by some people in authority to make it his mission to go out and squelch these Jewish people who don't want to follow their faith religiously. And he begins to bring them into their religious courts. He begins to work behind the scenes politically and economically to make it hard for this group of people. In effect, when it comes to Christianity, Paul is the, or Saul at the time, actually, his name is later going to be changed to Paul. Saul is the worst enemy of the early Christian church. He's so well-connected, so well-traveled, so educated, that when he comes up against an opponent, they don't really stand a chance. He's that serious. And his reputation for being against Christians, his name is well-known far and wide. And then he encounters the Lord Jesus Christ. The very people he's been persecuting, who they follow, he encounters Jesus. It changes his life. His name becomes not Saul anymore, but Paul, and he is radically changed. He goes into the desert. He studies the scriptures. He sits at the feet of other learned people who now are followers of Jesus, and he grows as a disciple. And when he's ready to come back in to full engagement in society after his time of study, several months, when he's ready to come back in, he could have a position in the church of influence. And all the energy and all the vitality that was given to persecuting Christians could be leveraged to help Christians. I mean, he's a man of passion and leadership gifting. Except there's a problem. 
His reputation goes before him. He's known as the guy who makes it difficult for Christians. He's known as the guy who puts Christians in jail. In fact, he was there when the very first Christian was killed. The first martyr, Stephen, was killed. Saul, at the time, held the coats of the people who threw stones at Stephen. This is his reputation. But he's a changed man. But you know how this works in life. Sometimes your reputation can cast a shadow Your reputation from your past can cast a shadow into your future. That's what was going on with Paul. He needed an advocate. He needed somebody with credibility to step into that early church and go, hey, I know personally that this man's experience with Jesus is authentic. I'm willing to vouch personally. You guys know me. You trust me. I'm willing to vouch personally for his credibility and his credentials. He's the real deal. He's genuinely changed. You don't have to be afraid of him anymore. That guy's name who did that was Barnabas. Now, we study a lot about Paul around here. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament, ultimately. God uses him mightily. When, When Saul becomes Paul, becomes a Christ follower, everything changes. We talk a lot about Paul. We don't often talk a lot about Barnabas, but in a real sense, without Barnabas opening the door, Paul's influence is handicapped. If Barnabas doesn't do the work that God called Barnabas to do, it's harder for Paul to do the work that God called Paul to do. So I want to take you on your message notes to Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, and we're just going to talk for a couple minutes before I bring our guests up, all right? So when he, the Bible verse begins, when he came to Jerusalem, that's Saul, Paul, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing he was really a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. That's the little backstory I just told. Now what you may not know is that Barnabas' name, anytime in the Jewish Society, somebody's name begins with the word bar. The word bar means son of, if you will. So Barnabas is the son of Nabus. Barnabas, right? He's the son of Nabus. But it's interesting that that Nabus part of his name, Barnabas, that that part there literally means encouragement. Barnabas's name, catch this, means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. And what's interesting is that often the case in the Bible, a person's name sometimes predicts their destiny and their influence. Jesus' name means he who saves. It's it's a, a New Testament derivative of an Old Testament name, Joshua, Savior, right? All the Old Testament prophets, their names are usually some construct of God is in control, Elisha, God, the powerful one. Right? And so Barnabas' name, son of encouragement, kind of gives a foreshadowing of the role he's going to play. We don't talk about him a lot, but it's huge. I mean, the shadow that Barnabas casts into the New Testament life and by consequence into our life is dramatic. It's Barnabas who says, you know me, I'm one of you, trust this man. He has the ministry that matches his name. He's one who encourages. He encourages Saul as he develops, and he starts calling him by his new name, Paul. He encourages others around Paul to see Paul's potential, to believe his credibility, to embrace his testimony, to give him a platform to start doing ministry. 
It was Barnabas' encouragement that really opened the door. This is how God chose to do it. Now today, today we're going to participate in some encouragement. So, so what happens is, is when our folks go to Cuba, in a few weeks when we go to India, what happens is, is everybody that goes, their heart fills up. I mean, they come back full. That's why I want every one of you at some point in your life to take a mission trip. When, you do this, when people do the surveys of what changes a person's life forever, at the top of the list of experiences that changes a Christian forever, that helps them grow deeper, that becomes a, a watershed moment in their life, at the top of the list, every time the study is done, is a cross-cultural ministry experience. So when you do a short-term missions trip, you go to another place where you're dependent on God in a special way, it changes you. Our folks come back so encouraged. And often, we, that's the stories we get to celebrate. You're going to hear some of that today. I'm so excited for you to hear some of that. But what often sometimes isn't highlighted that I want to make you aware of today is the power of what happens when people go not to the people who go, but to the people they go to. Now, this takes just a little bit of finesse to work through. So sometimes when people go on mission trips, they go to paint buildings and build walls and construct, you know, things and dig wells and all that's good. All that's wonderful. But the real ministry that often happens, even while they're painting or they're visiting, or they're having a meal together. The real ministry that happens often is, is the people that are doing frontline ministry in places like Cuba and India, where the gospel sometimes has a hard time thriving. What often happens is, is that not the wall that's painted, or the well that's dug, or the building that's built that's really the memorable thing. What often happens is, is the heart of those leaders, the heart of the people on the front line gets encouraged because they know they have people from a faraway place who will come and support them. And it's not just dollars and pennies, although that's huge. It's the fact that they have brothers and sisters who are standing beside them saying, we think the work you do is significant. We think what you're doing is worthy of investing in. We think what you're doing is worth our time and attention and energy. And we stand with you in the work that you're doing. This is what happens when we partner with Cuba. This is what happens when we partner with India. Oh, we get filled, make no mistake. I actually feel like if you're balancing the scale, we get so much more benefit than we're able to give them. But in the Lord's economy, it's always true. The blessings are always double-sided. Always. And you know this, when you give, you get blessed. I mean, you bless when you give, but you get blessed. The same thing happens. It's the ministry of encouragement. Now, on your message notes, I, I, I want to just acknowledge a couple things. Encouragement, your first blank, is the idea... And no one fights it, but few people commit to the practice intentionally. Some of you in this room, your moms and dads, your bosses, you have coworkers, you have friends. And what that means is, is every one of you, to some degree, has a mantle, a responsibility to encourage. Parents, some of your greatest words to your kids will not simply be pure discipline, that's powerful. What will actually be very powerful often is the encouragement you speak over them. Your words are powerful. Wives, let me tell you something. I hope you know this. The power you have in your husband's life to encourage them towards the Lord cannot be measured easily. It's profound. I mean, a simple word spoken at the right time, in the right tone, carefully packaged, can light a man's heart on fire. Men, the power of your words to speak life into your spouse you're dating into your girlfriend or boyfriend, to your friend, 
to your coworker, to your employees. It can't be overstated. Encouragement is in short supply. But it's flourishing. Mark my word. The gospel of Jesus Christ flourishing. Everywhere you see ministry flourishing, mark my words. Start noticing this. Everywhere it's flourishing. There's a group of people encouraging the people on the front lines. Everywhere. There isn't a ministry in America today that is flourishing that there aren't a group of people intentionally lifting up the people who are on the front lines doing ministry. One of the things I'm most excited about in our partnership with Cuba that you're going to hear about today, many of us will never go. Many of us won't stand in a pulpit and preach. A lot of us won't sing a song or share a word. But when we as a church gather behind them and we say, keep running, we believe in you, we encourage you, here's some of our resources, go, we're praying for you, you're our family. Let me tell you what it does. It does what the word encouragement implies. The word encouragement implies it brings courage to. It emboldens the work. That's why every prevailing ministry is surrounded by encouragers. Because to do ministry in a broken and fallen world with spiritual forces without encouragement is to tell the front lines to charge without a sufficient back supply of ammunition to do the work. So today, we're going to celebrate the ministry of encouragement. And let me tell you how it works, just in case you're wondering how God's economy works on this stuff. Look at Proverbs 11. One person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You know what my wife taught me in our parenting? No, I'm the, I'm the bad cop. She's the good cop. Our kids know this. All right, it's okay. We love that game. I wear that badge proudly right here. Bad cop. I'm good. I'm good. Here, here's what she taught me. Sometimes an encouraging word spoken when I'm ready to lay the hammer down, sometimes it has a profound impact on our kids. And then what happens when that dynamic kicks in? They hear the encouragement. They, they take the right action. You know what actually happens? Not only do our kids get blessed, but do you know who lays in bed at night and sleeps better? This bad cop right here. That's who does that. That's the power of encouragement. When you encourage others and you make an investment in them verbally. Now, encouragement is not something you feel. A lot of people feel encouragement. That's not what we're talking about today. Don't mistake the two. A lot of people feel appreciation. Encouragement is spoken. It can be written. But it's a communication that says, in effect, I believe in you. Keep going. Here's some encouragement. Here's some investment in you. It's a way to say, let me do what I can to push you in the right direction towards Jesus. In a way that gives you life, that gives you energy, that lets you know you're not alone. And when you do that, parents, when you do that, friends, it's not a one-way street. It's just like when you're giving an offering. It's never a one-way street. It always comes back to you. I look at another verse in the Bible, Proverbs eleven twenty-five. He who refreshes himself will be. Uh, he who he who refreshes himself will be refreshed. So it, again, it's a two-way street. Now, one of my favorite Christian leaders who was also an amazing businessman of the last generation, made a statement I'm going to put in your ears, all right? And then we're going to bring up our guests, all right? Trude Cathy, you know the founder of Christian Chicken, also known as Chick-fil-A? You know that? Here's what Trude Cathy said. He said, you want to know the best way to tell if somebody needs encouragement? That's your blank. They're breathing. They're breathing. 
And he took that idea and he built it into the culture of Chick-fil-A. And that's why when they hand you your food and you say thank you, they say, my, my pleasure, right? And they do it impeccably. And that, that's why Popeye's chicken on occasion might be a little bit better. But I'm going to Chick-fil-A where the service is extraordinary. Because there's something powerful that happens when encouragement's thriving in a family, in a marriage, in a church. You can't do, let me predict, you can't do all that God wants you to do on yourself. You and Jesus, in some sense, are enough, but you'll never be enough to make enough massive impact until a group of people stand around you and go, come on, we're with you in this. Let's do this together. You can't parent without, I believe, a community around you saying, come on, we're in this with you. We're praying for you. We'll talk with you. That's the power in the ministry of encouragement. And for the next few minutes, we're going to do that together. So guests, come on, join me on stage if you don't mind. While they're coming, let me introduce a handful of these folks to you. Coming, um, Kevin, Jose, come on. Come on up. Uh, these are some of the folks that went with us uh, on our trip to, to Cuba. And you're going to hear some of their story. Um, at the back of the stage is Kevin. Kevin leads a ministry called Ancient Paths um, Ministries. We partner with them for all the work we do in Cuba. Um, you've heard some of his story. If you're a guest with us today, you can go online and um, send us, you know, on your Connect card, you know, send me the date. We'll send the date, and you can go back and watch that whole amazing story of what's happened with him is um, Pastor Jose right here. Um, who's, who's English, um, yeah. needs a little bit of help. He understands sometimes more than he can help. say, right? Yeah, a little <laughs> oh, bit of help. A little bit of help, that's cute. Kevin, <laughs> when did you learn Spanish? Uh, I started learning Spanish in 2007. Yeah. So about 12 years ago. Pretty crazy. And you're see, pretty good. Hey. You're pretty good. Yeah. And so what's going to happen is I, is I want okay you to sometimes. hear some of their story. Pastor Will's actually going to facilitate some of this. And then I want to come back and talk to you about two ways we're going to encourage today. So we'll take I mean, it away. Awesome. Hey, we're so excited to uh, have some folks who went to Cuba with us. But before we do that, I'd ask if you are a sponsor of a pastor of Cuba, if you've prayed for these folks, if you've actually been, would you go ahead and stand up? We want to thank uh, everybody in the room who has been to Cuba, who's attended before. Awesome. Great. That is so good. And uh, we're excited to hear some stories. We're going to start with Melissa. Um, we want to hear what, what you experienced, what you saw, what was new, what was different. You've been two times now. So tell us a little bit about your story this time. Oh, it was amazing. This time was different, but even so much better um, because I felt like it was a family reunion. So the first time we went, we felt like family within a couple hours. Jen was with me, and it was strange. We didn't expect that, but they just they just embraced us. And, you know, we share three meals a day together um, at a big table, and we talk and we pray. And when one person prays, everyone prays. When one person's singing, everybody's singing. And so you have this amazing time of encouraging each other other and filling each other's buckets and getting to know each other. So going back, they were so happy to see us. It was like family was back. And so that was, and it was cool to get to go to the different missions um, again and see the progress that was made and even see a couple of new ones uh, developing. So yeah, it was a great, great time. That's awesome. I think we have a photo, Melissa, of you and a uh, older lady that may come up here in a second. Do you have a, a story there, someone you met? What happened when you met her or you saw her? What happened there? There she is. Okay. Um, her name is, I think it's Carlalita. I wrote it in my, um, so we went to a brand new mission, just started the end of July, um, and it was started 
started because there's this missionary that one of you sponsors named Orlinda, and she literally just walks around and meets people in these little rural villages and tells them about Jesus. Um, and when she finds one who believes, um, she asks them, hey, could we start a church in your house? And they say yes. And so they start churches. And so this little lady was 81 years old, and I'm only 4'11", so she's <laughs> really small. Um, and she had only been a, a believer for a couple of years at the most. And um, as she spoke to us, uh, she said, um, I just needed somebody to tell me. Um, I laid in bed, and I, and I wondered if there was something up there, if there was something out there, and I just needed somebody to tell me. And then my granddaughter told me. And so now I need to tell other people. And so she, it was, she was unbelievable, 81 years old. That is awesome. So cool. I'm, you can pass the mic to Jen. Jen, this is your third time uh, going to uh, Cuba, which is incredible. Tell us a little, bit about, a little bit about your story, about what you experienced, what you saw, how it was for you. Yeah. Um, so this is my third time, second with the church, and um, that provided a really unique experience to see people experiencing it for the first time or that, you know, because every trip is really different. Um, but I know I talked to Will and a couple of you might have been there on Wednesday, but uh, my story for Cuba actually um, starts a really long time ago. I think it's really neat to see people come to Cuba on our trips or um, hear their stories and hear how God has brought each person there through a completely different path, uh, but has them there for a reason. So, um, when I was in eighth grade, I actually, I danced a lot growing up, and I watched a, a video of the ballet in Cuba, and um, I remember the images of people going into the theater and girls growing up dancing with aspirations to dance in the theater, and um, from that moment on, I, I felt this connection to Cuba that I didn't really think much on or didn't try to explain, um, and then just all these things kept happening throughout my life. I was supposed to go in college and it got canceled and I was really, um, really, really disappointed, like more than I normally would be for a, a canceled plan. And um, then I wrote this bucket list because I used to write for a um, travel website, but I wanted to visit all the countries in the world and I have these stories of why I want to visit them. But I had another line item that said I want to go to Cuba. And so when Will mentioned that we were partnering with a ministry in Cuba, I thought of those experiences and three or four more over the course of my life that had facilitated and stirred this, this longing in my heart to visit this country that I knew I would love. And as soon as he said that, I realized that this was a dream from the Lord, and it kind of all made sense then, which was really special. And, um, you know, you asked to share one of the things that Yami said on my second trip, I was there with a different group of people, and she pulled me aside and handed me this ballerina statue. And I kind of laughed, and I asked Kevin, I said, did you tell her my story? Does she know that ballet is the thing that really first introduced me to this country? And she hadn't heard that before. And um, she said this really profound statement that I believe, but uh, had never heard in such a way that I could remember it all the time, that there is no random in the kingdom of God. And I love seeing that unfold in people's stories in Cuba. I love seeing that unfold here. I know that's a passion of Melissa's as well, but whether you're doing full-time missions or just being a missionary in your workplace or your home, I, I think that it's just so powerful to see how God has been orchestrating this in each of our lives. Um, 
and many of us here, I know, because this partnership has been so special and so God-ordained that a lot of our stories include this ministry or will include this ministry, but um, whatever that looks like, uh, I just think that's, it's been a really powerful reminder for me that God has placed these desires and these experiences and these um, tools and everything we need to do what he's designed us to do to bring glory to him. So, there is no random in the kingdom of God. How powerful is that? And that's from Yami, Pastor Jose's wife. His better half is what I told him this morning. But uh, that is a strong word, and it's so true, that there is no random in the kingdom of God. That's, that's how our God works. And uh, pretty, pretty remarkable. Uh, Becca, you were just singing up here with us. This was your first trip to Cuba. And we have a few photos um, as you speak. But what would you see? What would you experience? How did God show up in your own life, and your own heart uh, through this trip? Yeah, so this was my first time in Cuba. And it is a different place. I came off of the airplane, and it was like going back in time. Um, all the cars are from the 50s, and there's not a ton of cars. Oh, yeah, that's me. Um, we had a game night <laughs> with the Cubans. It was Cubans versus America. And uh, this was an eating contest that Cole Davis was supposed to do, but he was not into eating flan. And I love flan, so I was into it. Um, but, yeah, it was a great time. Um, one thing that I love about Cuba and just the people in that church is that they worship, just they are into it. So they are singing loudly, not always good, but God calls us to make a joyful noise, not a perfect melody. And they are dancing and clapping their hands. As soon as the first beat is hit, they are just, they know what song it is immediately. Um, I remember in Coliseo, they played one song called I Libertad, which if you were at the Cuba night, we played it. It was the last one. And when they play it, it is fun. It is a lot of fun. They are jumping. They are clapping. They are at the front of the sanctuary. It's insane. But it's just absolutely amazing. And another thing is that they just pray. They pray often, and they pray expectantly, and they pray for each other right then and there. They don't say, yeah, I'll pray for you tomorrow, or I'll keep you in my prayers. It's, will you pray about this? And yeah, I'll pray about it right now, for you, right now. And it's encouraging. That's so cool. I, I think I've heard it from a few people on the trip that they pray like God's actually going to do something. And they pray like God's actually listening, and which he is. Uh, Melissa, for you, uh, some folks in this room may never go on a mission trip. Uh, some folks in this room may not really know what God wants for them yet. What would be your encouragement to them and to us? Of uh, Sometimes it takes a step, or sometimes it's just going and doing it. What would be your encouragement to some folks in the room uh, who, yeah, who may be wondering, what, what do I do? Well, I think if you're feeling stirred at all that you want to go to Cuba, you need to go to Cuba. Um, that's all. Um, and then I think that if, uh, you know, we had a couple people this year that um, really felt uh, a call to help people in Cuba or to invest in the ministry in Cuba, and they weren't able to go on their own. And so they helped somebody else go. Um, so that was great, too. Other people supplied things that we took with us that were really valuable to them. But um, I have to tell you, when you get to some place like Cuba where people are so all in 
for God. Like, it's it. They pray all the time. They sing all the time. They're a family all the time. And it's so refreshing. And it's like sitting on a couch, a really comfy couch, with your favorite people for a week. And Jesus is on the couch. And he's just in it. And then you come home and it feels like King's Island. (laughs) And you get reminded that, you know, sometimes even here we can do it. Get quiet. Just get quiet. I've sat twice this week. I've come to the back of this room, grabbed earplugs out of the thing. And I've sat with earplugs in this building just to have quiet because I miss it. And I felt like God was saying on this trip, there's more of me. There's more. We want more of God, more of God in our families, more of God in our marriages, more of God in this church. And that's what I brought back. And so I I encourage all of you um, to have conversations with all of us that went. Here's stories of encouragement. You guys that sponsor and pray for Cuba, it is making a huge difference over there. You know, you've got pastors and missionaries who are traveling 40, 50 miles to get to their mission site, and there are no cars. Like, there's the nice, cute older-looking ones, but there are horses and bicycles, and you get on big buses and hitchhike, and that's how they get there. And before, they were bivocational because they had to be, and now we're, we're, we're freeing them up to be able to do more and more ministry. And I'm telling you, the gospel is on fire in Cuba. It's on fire. And Pastor Jose, you talk about an encouragement. He goes around all these mission sites, and he's encouraging those pastors and encouraging those pastors and seeing what they need and how can I pray. And, and for us to be able to be a part of that was just, you have my heart. Wow. Well, no important work happens. No kingdom work happens. Yeah, you can give it up. We can, yeah, that's fine. What a cool, cool thing to hear about how God used this group for his glory. And we believe no important work happens in the kingdom of God without leaders. And it is just an honor and privilege to have Pastor Jose with us. And we would love uh, for a few moments if uh, Pastor Jose, if you would talk to our folks, if you'd encourage us, uh, really anything on your heart, we would love to hear from you. And as Pastor Jose is speaking pragmatically, Kevin will translate uh, into English as we begin. Let me, let me ask two questions before you get started. Okay, Is that right? <clears throat> so two years ago when I had coffee with these guys and I felt like the Lord was with us at that meeting and that started this whole connection. A part of the story that grabbed my heart was Jose's discovery of his call to ministry and uh, some of the transition. Can you walk us through a little bit of that? Share some of that, and sí. then uh, and then just talk for a moment about what it means to know that he has brothers and sisters here rooting and cheering for him. I'm gonna let you guys take uh-huh. it away, okay? Hay que compartir algún de de tu llamado y entonces cómo sientes para tener hermanos aquí en Estados Unidos y en esta iglesia. Bueno, damos gracias a Dios por estar aquí en esta mañana. We are thankful to God for allowing us to be here this morning. Y estoy muy triste y contento a la vez. <laughs> I'm sad and happy at the same time. Porque quisiera que mi esposa, because I really wish my wife, <laughs> la mejor parte estuviera the, aquí. My, my better half. 
pero reciban un amor y su cariño. But please receive her love and, and Ella no ha podido estar morning. porque bueno, teníamos problemas en la familia so con we el niño. family things to work out with our son down there and she had to stay behind. Gracias por sus oraciones. Thank you for your Gracias prayers for him. Thank you for supporting us and all Reciban of también un, un fuerte saludo de nuestra iglesia en ministerio en Cuba. And a big warm greeting from our church in Cuba from everybody Estamos in muy agradecidos a la iglesia, a los pastores. We are very very grateful to your church, the pastors. Por todo el apoyo que ustedes están teniendo hacia nosotros. For all of the support that you all have been giving to us. El soporte que están dando no solo para la iglesia, sino también para los pastores de las misiones. The things that you've given not only to the main church but to our missionary pastors as well. Y el ánimo que ustedes nos dan que nos brindan cada vez que ustedes llegan a ese lugar. The encouragement that you all give us through all of that and through the groups that come to visit with us. Y quisiera contarles un poquito de lo que ha sido nuestro llamado, cómo cómo crecimos en el Señor. And so I want to uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about how Yami and I received our, our calling and how we grew up in the Lord. Eh, mis padres estuvieron casi nueve años sin poder tener hijos. Uh, my parents went almost nine years without being able to have children. Era un tiempo bien difícil en Cuba para it, el Evangelio. It was a very difficult time then for the gospel in Cuba. Algunas iglesias trataron de sobrevivir en esta, en esta época. And so at that time a few churches were just trying to survive. Mis padres asistían a una pequeña iglesia de campo. My, my parents went to a little farm church. Y después de nueve años mi mamá un día fue al altar de esa iglesia y lo oró al Señor. And so one day after about nine years of not being able to have children my mom went to the church. Oró como Ana. La madre de Samuel. And she prayed like Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Y le dijo, si me das un hijo, te lo voy a entregar todos los días. And she said, if you will give me a son, I will give his life to you for all of it. Y mi mamá salió embarazada. And then she came out pregnant pretty quickly. El primer lugar que mi mamá me llevó cuando salimos del hospital, en primer lugar, the first place my mom took me when we got out of the hospital, fue al altar de esa iglesia. She put me on the altar at the church. Allí me puso y le dijo al señor, es tuyo. And she put me there on the altar and she said to the Lord, He's yours. Y por mucho tiempo yo estaba un poco lejos, un poco afuera y pero siempre ella me animaba que yo fuera a la iglesia. I mean, there were times when I would pull back a bit, you know, and I'd get a little bit away from faith as a child, but mom always said, come on, let's go to church. Por 11 años entregué mi vida al Señor. And so when I was 11, I gave my life to the Lord. Y a partir de ese tiempo comenzó un trato muy especial de Dios para mí. And so I started from that time on, from 11 years old, uh, to work toward uh, something God had given me that was special. Era como una especie de llamado hacia mi persona. I mean, it was like God gave me a specific kind of personal calling. Llamado que yo muchas veces no entendía, no comprendía. I mean, for a while, I just didn't understand it at all. Pero poco a poco todo aquello fue tomando claridad. But little by little, I was getting the clarity. A los 18 años, el Señor me hace un llamado específico a comenzar a predicar la palabra en campos misioneros nunca se habían abierto. And so when I was 18, God, it became clear the specific calling that God had given me to preach the gospel in farming uh, communities where the gospel had never been heard. Y déjeme decirles esto, en ese momento era algo bien difícil. And I'll tell you, when I got that calling, it was really Cuba, hard. en ese momento era una nación atea completamente, cerrada completa al evangelio. I was living in a completely atheist nation that was totally closed to the gospel. En la escuela éramos motivo de burla, de... Yeah, when we were, I mean, in school, we Christian kids were persecuted and picked on. Muchos de nosotros tuvimos la oportunidad de ir a una universidad, pero nos pusieron una boleta. Si firmábamos esa boleta negando nuestra fe, 
Entonces íbamos a obtener la carrera universitaria. Many of us were, were, were brought before our classes and they would stick the brochures from the colleges in front of us. And they'd say, if you sign this paper that negates your faith and denies Jesus, then you can go to the college. But if not, you're not going anywhere. Y pues no, no firmamos y empezamos y continuamos en el Evangelio. But we didn't sign, we continued to work in the gospel. Había mucho miedo para enfrentar este llamado que Dios nos había dado. But in addition to that, I was really scared about coming up in front of this calling that God had put on my heart. I mean, I, I, it was like terrifying for me. I spent a whole year trying to evade the calling. I didn't do it, I just pushed it aside. Con ese llamado de amor todos los días. But God just continued with this calling and with his love every day. Hasta que me rendí y comencé con mucho temor a predicar la palabra en el lugar donde vivía. And so finally I just gave up and with a lot of fear I went, okay, I'm going to do it. And I set out to preach the gospel in the town I lived in. No sabía preparar un sermón. I, I didn't know how to put together a sermon. No tenía estudios teológicos ninguno. I didn't have theological studies at all. Ni siquiera tenía una Biblia de estudio en mis manos. I didn't even have a study Bible in my hands. Solo tenía el llamado de Dios para predicar su palabra y animar a otros. All I had was this calling from the Lord to preach his word and encourage others. Para mi sorpresa, ese, ese joven de 18 años comenzó a llamar la atención en toda esa comunidad. But to my surprise, this kid of 18 years old, I started to draw attention from the whole community. Yo no entendía cómo siendo tan joven y tan inexperto la gente me escuchaba. I couldn't understand how I was such a young kid and everybody was listening to me. Y en un edificio, en un apartamento, en un espacio bien pequeño de cuatro metros por cuatro. Uh -huh. we, we lived in an apartment, in an apartment building in a little four by four meter space. Nos reuníamos ya más de 70 personas. And so in that space we squeezed in more than 70 people. Y Dios comenzó su obra en medio de nuestro and ministerio. God started to do his work in the middle of our ministry. Yo creo que en esta mañana todos hemos sido llamados de parte del Señor a servirle. And listen, I believe that everybody here this morning has been called to serve the Lord. Y Dios nos llama de alguna manera para servir en su reino. I mean, he calls us in some way to serve his kingdom. El llamado del Señor ahí en el, en el libro de Apocalipsis capítulo 3 verso 20. And so we find that we can find a hint of this calling in Revelation. El Señor three. dice, he aquí estoy a la puerta y llamo. And Jesus says, here I stand at the door and knock. Si alguno oye mi voz, if somebody hears my voice y abre la puerta, and opens the door, entraré a él, I'm coming in cenaré con él y él conmigo. and I'm going to eat with him and he's going to eat with me. Y lo que más es, ¿qué estás con ese and, and so what's important is what are we doing with this calling? So maybe you were like me and maybe even for more years than me you've been avoiding God's call. O quizás has estado tan ocupado que has pensado que como que ya Dios no te presta atención. I mean, maybe you've gotten so busy you think God's not really paying attention anymore. O quizás has pensado de que estás aparentando que no le escuchaste. Uh, maybe, maybe you're going, you know, uh, I, I heard but I wasn't really listening. Y Jesús dijo, estoy a la puerta y llamo. I mean, Jesus says, here I am calling. Y no es precisamente que algunos van a escuchar y otros no. I mean, you know, it's it's not he's not saying some of you need to listen and some of you don't. El llamado del Señor todos lo vamos a escuchar. The calling of the Lord everybody needs to listen to it. 
Cada uno lo va a escuchar. Each of us is going to listen. Porque si no Dios sería injusto. Algunos lo escuchan y otros no. I mean, it wasn't. Jesus is like, you know, this is not the way I've got this set up for some of you to listen and some of you not. Y me gusta mucho a veces traer al lenguaje actual un poco estos textos de la palabra. You know, sometimes I like to I look to look back at the root languages of the word. Jesús dijo, si alguno oye mi voz. I mean, Jesus said, if somebody hears my voice. Pero te digo en esta mañana. But I'm telling you this morning, si alguno quiere escuchar su voz, if somebody wants to hear my voice, porque sucede que muchas veces lo que no queremos es escuchar la voz de Dios. What we don't want to do is listen to the voice of God. Sometimes. ¿Te ha pasado que alguna vez alguien te llama y tú te haces el que no lo escuchaste? Uh -huh. You know how sometimes somebody calls you and you act like you didn't hear them? Y quiero decirte, lo mejor que me ha pasado en mi vida fue escuchar la voz de Dios y responder a su llamado. I gotta tell you, the best thing that ever happened in my life was to actually listen to the voice of God and respond to His calling. Casi siempre miramos al futuro y pensamos qué será lo mejor para mi vida. I mean, it's oftentimes, almost always, we look forward to the future and we think, what will be the best thing for, será for la, my future? Los mejores estudios que podré obtener para una buena carrera well, para mi futuro. I mean, what are the best studies we're going to be able to undertake to have a good career to set the foundation for my future? ¿Cuál será la mejor casa o el mejor lugar para yo vivir y criar a mis hijos? What's going to be the best house I can get so I have the best place to raise my family? Pero el, el, lo mejor para mirar al futuro es siempre responder al llamado de Dios. But the best thing you can look to for the future is to respond to God's calling. Casi siempre tratamos de dejar un legado a nuestra familia. I mean all the time we, we try to, to leave behind a legacy for Y que al final de nuestros días los demás, las personas que estén a nuestro lado digan, él cumplió un propósito, él fue alguien que, que triunfó en la vida. And what they want to know when we're when we're done with this life is this someone who kept his word? Is this someone who triumphed in this life? Y muchas veces no nos damos cuenta que el verdadero valor de nuestra vida consiste en realizar el llamado de Dios. And sometimes in the middle of trying to achieve everything, we forget that the greatest value in our life is to follow the word of the Lord. Un padre antes de morir le dijo a su hijo. One father before he died said to his son. Este es un reloj que tu abuelo me dio y tiene más de 200 años de edad. This is your grandfather's watch and it's more than 200 years old. He gave it to me. Pero antes de entregarte lo quiero que vayas a la tienda del frente de nuestra casa y digas que quieras venderlo y veas qué valor tiene. I want you before I give it to you to go to the, the, the store across the street and tell them you want to sell it and ask them what it's worth. El muchacho se fue y regresó y dijo a su padre And so the kid, the, the son went out and he, he came back from the store and he said to his father, En la tienda solo me dieron cinco, me ofrecían cinco dólares porque es muy viejo. In the store they said you can only get five bucks for it because it's really old. Él dijo, ve ahora a la otra tienda, la cafetería que está en el costado. And he said to him, he said, I want you to go back out to another store and try again. Mismo. El muchacho fue y regresó. The same thing happened. The kid went out, came back. Y le dijo al padre, papá, nadie me da más de cinco dólares por él. And he said, listen, dad, nobody's going to give me more than five bucks for this watch. Pero ahora el padre le dijo, ahora quiero que vayas a la otra esquina y vayas al museo. And he said to him, okay, I'll tell you what, I want you to go around the corner to the museum. Y muestra ese reloj. And show them this watch. Se fue nuevamente y cuando el joven regresó, and he went again, and, and when he came back this time, le dijo al padre, he said to his dad, me ofrecieron un millón de dólares por él. They offered me a million bucks for this watch. El padre le dijo, quería hacerte saber que en el lugar correcto sabrán 
tu valor de una manera correcta. Uh-huh. He said, I want you to, uh, to know that when you go to the right place and you ask the right question, you will know your worth. No te pongas en el lugar incorrecto o equivocado. Do, Así nunca sabrás tu valor. Don't go and search for your worth in the place where you will never be able to know it. El Dios que servimos conoce nuestro valor. The God who we serve. ¿Y para qué sirves tú? God knows our worth. No se equivoca cuando Él nos llama. Don't, don't get it wrong when Está God calls la puerta you. y llama. Si alguno quiere escuchar su voz en esta mañana. Is there somebody here this morning who wants to listen to his voice? Hay mucho trabajo en el reino de Dios. There's an awful lot of work in the kingdom of God. Hay trabajo para todos. There's work for everybody. De una manera u otra. There's one one way or another you have work. Y Dios te está llamando en este tiempo. And so God's calling Te está animando. He's calling this A que no pases por esta vida. I mean, he's calling. He said, don't let this life go by without being somebody who's a part of the kingdom of God. Dios nos ha regalado una Oportunidad linda y preciosa en Cuba. Poder compartir la palabra a muchas personas que no le conocen. We are able to share the gospel with many, many people who have never heard it. En este tiempo tenemos una iglesia grande dentro de Jovellano. Right now in Jovellano, our hometown, we have a large church. Pero tenemos 12 misiones afuera de la ciudad de Jovellano. But we have 12 sites outside the town. Y cada vez que salimos a, a predicar la palabra, pues Dios nos da una gran bendición y tremenda. Así que te anima el Señor en este tiempo. And so God, He wants to encourage us today. No resista su llamado. Don't resist your calling. Solo déjate llevar. Just, just allow it to Solo happen. déjate usar. Just allow yourself to be used. Que Dios te bendiga. May God bless you. Gracias por todo. Thank you for everything. Would you uh, have Pastor Jose pray for our church, for the ministry here? Sí, puedes orar para la iglesia y el ministerio aquí. No sé en esta mañana si alguien. I don't know this morning if somebody. Ha estado escuchando la voz de Dios. Is listening for the voice of God. No es mis palabras sino las del Señor. I mean, these aren't my words; these are the Lord's. Las que muchas veces nos llama. Many times he calls. Por muchos años yo resistí este llamado. I mean, for a long time I, I resisted his calling. escuchaba predicadores. Uh, often we hear preachers. Y personas que estaban al frente y hablaban acerca de este llamado. And people who are up front and they speak of this calling. De cómo podemos servir a Dios. Uh, how can we serve the Lord? Y durante muchos años yo resistí ese llamado. And for many years I resisted his call. Y hacía como que no escuchaba y no prestaba atención. And, and you would think it was like I wasn't listening and paying any attention. Quizás hace tiempo el Señor te está llamando. So, so maybe for you, God's been calling for a, a través while. de su palabra, through his word, a través de algún predicador, through a preacher. ¿Y qué estás haciendo con ese llamado? I mean, what are you going to do with it? Si en esta mañana has escuchado esa voz de Dios que te está llamando. If you're hearing the word the voice of the Lord this morning calling out to you, Mira, a veces estamos tan centrados en nuestra vida, en nuestros problemas. I mean, sometimes we just get so centered in our own problems. A veces le decimos al Señor, no tengo tiempo. Sometimes we say, God, I just don't have time. Mi economía, economically, God, I just can't. No me permite, Señor, dedicar tiempo. I just can't do it right now, Lord. Mis hijos, mi trabajo. My kids need me. My job needs me. Y nuestra vida está completamente ocupada. My my life is just too busy, Lord. Y la puerta está cerrada. And we close the door. Esa puerta para que el Señor pueda entrar. This is the door the Lord wants to come in through. 
Y quizás tú digas, yo abrí la puerta de mi vida al Señor. I mean, sometimes you just want to say, God, you know, you're standing outside the door of my life. Pero estás resistiendo el llamado de Dios. But I am resisting. A Dios le agrada que haya una iglesia repleta, llena de gente en este lugar. I mean, God's given us a church full of people in this, in this time, in this place. Jesús no tiene problemas con las multitudes. And, and Jesus doesn't have a problem with multitudes, okay? La palabra enseña que había multitudes que seguían al Señor. I mean, the word says that multitudes have come to the Lord. Pero a cuántas de esas personas el Señor pudo comisionar para ir a ser discípulos. La palabra recoge que hubo un pequeño grupo selecto dentro de esa multitud. I mean, the word tells us that it was a very small group of people that became disciples within the multitude. Y no es que el llamado era para unos y para otros no. And it wasn't like there was a calling for just some and not the others. Era para todos, pero no todos aceptaron. It was for everyone, but not everybody accepted it. Dejarlo todo y seguir al Señor. Leave it all behind. Serve God. Quiero decirte algo en esta mañana. Dios te llama. I want to tell you something this morning. God, Dios te dice. God's calling. God's Quiero speaking. que hagas algo por mi reino. He wants you to do something in his kingdom. Si sientes ese llamado en esta mañana. If you're feeling this calling this morning. Te animo que te pongas en pie. I just want to give you. Solo si has escuchado la voz de Dios. stand up. Y quieres hacer right algo por el reino. <laughs> If God's calling you to do something in his si sientes que tienes que hacer algo por el Señor. If you're feeling like, you know, I got to do something. Yo siento todos los días que tengo que hacer algo I, por él. I, if you're thinking, I feel like all the time, like uh, there's something I ought to be doing for the Lord. Es como una especie de deudas que tengo con el Señor. It, 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 it sort of feels like some sort of debt you need to, to, to pay. Y yo sé que todo fue pagado. Listen, I know that everything was paid for, that Christ paid for everything. Pero tengo que hacer algo con alguien que ha sido tan bueno conmigo. But we gotta do some, I gotta do something for somebody who's been so good to me. Y le digo a mis amistades, a mi familia, tengo que gastarme para el Señor. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say to my family and my friends, I gotta spend myself on the Lord. Quiero orar por ti en esta mañana. So Quiero orar por I want to pray for you this morning. Sé que Dios les ha levantado sobre esta ciudad. En I want to este pray tiempo. for what God has lifted up over this city and in this time. Y solo quiero que ajustes tu visión. I just, I just pray that you will adjust your vision. A lo que Dios quiere hacer contigo. Toward what God has for you. No te preocupes cómo lo va a hacer. Don't worry about what you're going to do. No te preocupes qué hará. Don't worry about what you will Ponte do. Ponte solo en las manos de Dios. Just put that all in the Lord's hands. Señor Jesús. Extiendo mis manos en esta hora sobre esta iglesia. Oh, Jesus, I extend my hands over this church this morning. Y gracias por el llamado que un día nos hiciste. We thank you, God, for the calling you have given us. Gracias por la oportunidad que nos das de servirte en tu reino. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to serve in your kingdom. Te pido perdón por los años y por el tiempo que rechacé ese llamado. I pray God for the years and all the time we've resisted your calling. Pero gracias por la oportunidad que me das cada día. But I give you thanks for the opportunity that you give us every day sí to have the power to respond and say yes to your calling y hacer un poquito and to do just a little bit dentro de ese reino que tú has traído. in the midst of your kingdom that you are bringing. Te pido que bendigas a esta iglesia. I pray God that you will bless this church. Bendice a cada uno de estos tus hijos. You will bless every one of your children Aquellos que un morning. día les trajiste y le llamaste desde las tinieblas a la luz. The people who resist you, the people who follow, it, God bring them into the light. Pero quiero pedirte que en esta mañana cada uno de ellos pueda entender. Oh, I want, the, I want Lord this morning that everybody can understand 
que no fue en vano tu llamado, tu sacrificio, tu muerte. That your calling was not in vain. Your sacrifice was not in vain. No solo viniste para bendecir nuestra vida. You didn't just come to bless us. Sino también que a través de nuestras vidas podamos ser bendición para otros. You came so that through our own lives we might be a blessing to others. Dios quiere su bendición sobre tu vida. God wants to bless your life. Pero también que fluya a través de tu vida para alcanzar But a otros. wants to flow through your life out to others. Extiende tu mano a Dios y dile, Hold, aquí. Lift your hands to the Lord Ayúdame, now Señor. And say to him, help me, God, help me, God, to be an instrument of blessing. Help me, Lord, help me, Lord, to be a channel to bless others. Help me to bless through the, the, the great things you have given me, Lord. Help me to put aside the pains, my work, the things that preoccupy me y poner delante de mí realmente and put in front of me God really, really lo que es eterno y lo que vale. what's eternal and what's worthy Servirte a ti, Señor. I want to serve you Lord Bendecimos esta iglesia, sus pastores, sus God líderes. bless this church their pastors, their leaders Queremos que nunca falte la visión may they este never lugar. falter in their mission y que tú les conduzcas and that you will conduct them forward por el camino que tú quieres in your way Lord en el nombre de Jesús in the name of Jesus amén amén que Amen. Dios te bendiga may God bless you que Dios te bendiga may God bless you dale un aplauso al Señor give the mañana. Lord an yeah. applause worthy of him Four Quarters Church uh, we've been blessed today right isn't that awesome Um, I want to thank you for being an encouraging church. Um, we end our services by taking next steps. So once you grab out your Connect card, I want to give you a couple ways to be an encouragement today. Um, we never want to have a service that we don't give people a chance to make Jesus their Savior and Lord. So next step A for us every week is today. I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. If you want him to forgive your sin, redeem your life, become the Lord of your life, in a moment we're going to pray and give you a chance to say to God, God, I'm a sinner save me, wash me. I trust the work you did on the cross and in your res resurrection. I trust in that alone to save me. And then we'd ask you to take your pen and check next step A there and put it in the offering bucket in just a moment. And we'll communicate with you about what it means to be a child of God. Or next step B says, today I want to be baptized. We have a baptism coming up uh, December 8th. It's the next one you can sign up for. Um, and so go ahead and uh, mark that on your calendar. If you have questions, check the box. Let us know. The next step C is something for our church here. It says, I'll pray for the 4C staff team and their families each morning this week. Uh, churches all over the country right now are celebrating what's called Pastor Appreciation Month. Around here, we just talk about the leadership team that God has developed. Uh, and man, what a fortune I feel, uh, how fortunate I feel to be a part of a team, to work with a group of people who are so talented. And what I'm asking from you today is, is that you would pray for them. And if God inspires you, uh, maybe send them a quick note. On the bottom of your message notes was everybody's email who works on staff at this church. And if you check the box, I'll send you their names, their contacts, their family names. And I just ask you to pray for them every morning this week. God, anoint them, bless their families, be with them, protect them. You know, uh, draw them closer together in their marriage, help them in their parenting. And just lift up our church staff, uh, if you don't mind. And then next step, D says, please send me the link for Grow. It's um, coming up. Next Sunday is grow number two, and it's about developing spiritual habits. It's the fastest, most accelerated way to grow as a disciple, I believe, is to take this class and put into practice 
what it says. And then next step B says, I'm interested in dedicating my child for next Sunday. So if you're a grandparent, parent in the room, you want a child dedicated, you begin the process by checking the box. Why don't you set that aside right now? Let me give you another way that you can um, bless today. So you know that this is a generous church. If you're a guest, you're sitting around incredibly generous people. So pastors in Cuba, pastors in India, um, you make it happen. Orphans in India uh, work around the world. In just a couple weeks, uh, I'm actually going to India to do a wedding for Pastor James with a few folks from this church. And I'm just so proud in a godly way uh, to be a part of a church that's so gracious. So today, your opportunity is everything you give and you mark on an envelope, Cuba. So all your cash gifts today, you want to go online, there's a line item that says Cuba Ministry. You want to write a check, put Cuba on it. Anything designated to Cuba, we're going to bless Ancient Path Ministries and the work in Cuba above and beyond what we've already done. And so that's your opportunity today. If you're only going to give $1 today, give it to Cuba. And the faithful people around here will make sure that our budget happens uh, the way that it needs to occur. So today it's about Cuba. Make sure you write that on there. If you're giving to another designated fund, feel free to do that. We'll put it where it goes. We're, we don't play with money here. We'll put it where you want it. But we want it to go above and beyond to encourage and bless Pastor Jose and Yami, Kevin and Tani and the work that they're doing to make the work in ministry in Cuba happen. And I just want to tell you again, it's a privilege to stand with you in the work of the kingdom of God literally around the world. I feel privileged. This team feels privileged. When you exit today, if you didn't get a snack on the way in, feel free to do that. Let's pray about our next steps and our offering, and then let's sing one closing song together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for Pastor Jose, for Yami. God, put your anointing even greater upon them. God, I pray that your spirit would flow freely in their ministry, that you would call young men and women to join up. You would call older people to gather on the team and do the work there in Cuba. And I pray, Father, that you would knit our hearts even closer to theirs, that we would truly operate as a family, loving, supporting, and encouraging one another. And I pray, Father, that in this church, encouragement would reign that it would be such a place that is alive with encouragement that people who are wrestling with whether or not they were, they're called would feel encouraged to step up. They'd be emboldened to follow. When men and women want to step up and become greater disciples, this would be a place that they would be emboldened to do so. When people want to lead in the kingdom of God, this would be a place that they would be emboldened to do so. God, let it happen here. And Father, would you take our gifts today and would you take our next steps and cause them to go far and wide for your kingdom. We pray it. In the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God, amen and amen. Now, after the offering buckets pass around, if you'd like to receive prayer today, I'm going to ask Pastor Jose to stand up here. You may not understand what he's saying, but if you want to come forward and receive prayer, I'm also going to ask Pastor Melissa to join, if you don't mind. Would you two both just stand right here? And Melissa, the two of you just field it out. Kevin, do what you need to do, all right? And uh, so while we're singing, as Will leads us in a song now, if you want prayer, get started. We'll stay with you as long as it takes. Don't miss this opportunity. Would you stand with me right now, please? Mm -hmm.